Hello and welcome to Automators. My name is Rosemary Orchard and I'm joined today by David Sparks. Hello, David. How are you? Hello, Rosemary Orchard. Are you ready to automate today? Oh, yeah. And uh, today's going to be a good episode, I think. Yeah, uh, we want to talk about drafts. We covered drafts last year, but it's changed so much that, you know, they, they, that crazy guy that makes the app just keeps adding features to it. And so we thought, well, let's go back and talk about it because I know I'm using it more. I know you are too. But oh, yeah. well, uh, speaking of that crazy guy, we should invite him on. Hey, hey, Greg, are you available? Yeah, sure. I can <laughs> spice out an hour of my time for y'all. So welcome to the show, Greg Pierce. Greg is the developer of drafts. And uh, Greg is uh, you're a, a colleague and a friend. And we, we talk frequently with all the great stuff you're doing with your app. And uh, like I was saying earlier, it's it's just time to go back to drafts. You've you've really done a great job in the last year or two of adding a, a lot of, of automator-friendly features. Thanks. I appreciate that. I try. You know, I, a big part of what drafts is, is listening to the community and what they want in the app. And, you know, I'm always trying to implement those things. So a lot of uh, crazy automators out there using my app. So there's always a lot of great ideas. It's definitely a favorite among our audience. I'll tell you that. Um, oh, yeah. But before we start, Greg, just share a little bit about your background and, you know, what got you to the point to make this automation tool for us. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I started my own software business uh, about 15 years ago now, uh, just kind of went out consulting and doing mostly web development work at the time. And uh, when the App Store came around, I got involved in that and I've had a series of apps, but uh, over time, Drafts is the one that really took off and is what my focus is these days. And I think it's become something that's more of a platform for text uh, than a than a simple to describe app, um, but it's something that keeps me busy and uh, has a lot of opportunities to grow. So I've just stuck with it and rode that train. Greg, also, you know, since you're on automators, I feel like we have to get a moment of automation lore out because I know you and I believe Mark Gormit were involved kind of with the birth of the URL callback. Um, sure, sure. Could you tell me that story a little bit? Because I, I think the listeners would love to hear about how that happened. So many of us use them. Right. Well, my first reasonably successful app on the App Store was a dictionary app called Terminology. Um, and this was in the early days of the App Store before we had a built-in system dictionary and uh, a lot of the multitasking features and stuff that exist now. Um, and I was looking for a way to make my dictionary more useful by tying into other apps and allowing you to, you know, look up words, uh, in the app. And I talked to Marco Arman about it, who at the time was doing Instapaper. And he also had some dictionary features he built in, but was interested in integrating with other things. So we built a, we talked about it and we kind of built a system we agreed on back and forth where you could select a word in Instapaper and using a URL scheme in the background, it would open terminology directly to that word. So you could read the, uh, you know, definition and then in addition to that, we put a callback scheme in it so that he could provide a URL to terminology that says, well, when you're done over there, you can come back to Instapaper using this URL. Um, so I could pop a button up on the screen in terminology. You could read your, your you know, entry, your definition. And when you were done, click this back button that brought you back over to Instapaper. Now, 
That doesn't sound all that cool nowadays with a lot of the features that have since been added to iOS, like the little back button up in the upper left to get to your last app. That didn't used to exist. Uh, The multitasking tray didn't used to exist. So there really wasn't a good way to get back to your last app. And that was, you know, how we got started is just trying to simplify some of those sort of things. And as we went back and forth, we're like, well, let's try to get more people to adopt this. So we hacked out a spec. I actually wrote it, but, you know, we both contributed to it and had a few other people review it. And that's what became X callback URL, which was just a way of uh, standardizing how those URLs could be constructed to make it easier for more apps to adopt them and to work together to document what they were capable of doing through the URLs. Did you have any idea when you made that how big that was going to get? I did not. And honestly, I, I've, I've said this number of times, but I, I'm one of the poorest advocates of my own spec in the sense that I don't think it ever should have had to exist. <laughs> um, I'll agree with that. And yeah. I honestly thought it was something that we would just, it was a hack we put in place for a year or maybe two years until Apple provided a better way for apps to work together. And that just didn't come for year after year. New iOS versions were coming out and there was no no solution to that problem. So more and more people relied on the URL schemes and it grew. Yeah, but it, it is it is kind of interesting when you think about it because because Apple never really got on the horse until many years later, you built basically the backbone of what became drafts. And also you built the backbone of what became workflow, which would became shortcuts, which is one of the most frequent topics of automation on iOS. So, I mean, I just feel like you guys... Um, did something special that day. I'm proud of what we accomplished. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it was within several years of putting out the spec that it was implemented in apps from Google, you know, Google maps supports it, uh, Gmail, some of the other apps, some of Microsoft's apps, which really came through acquisition when they bought the Outlook app and stuff. But, uh, it's neat to have, have that technology adopted so broadly and now supported in something that's built into the OS. I um, did not realize that Google Maps supported this. This is amazing. Yeah. Wow. And let's just pray that you never have to invent something like this again for iOS. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you you make do sometimes. You yeah. use the tools you have and you try and I think that's consistent with the automator philosophy, right? You try to make the best of what you have and make it work for you and uh, and that's what we did. <laughs> Chewing gum and rubber bands are perfectly fine if that's what you have available to you. That's right. There's a lot of duct tape in my life, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. So <laughs> if it works, yeah. live with it. You and me both, sister. You and me both. The, uh, uh, so, Greg, how did you get started with automation? I mean, really, I, I am a full-time programmer now, but I kind of got into programming through automation. Um, I was not a comp sci major. I didn't aspire to be a programmer per se, but I kind of came of age and was working my early jobs in the late 80s, early 90s at a time when computers were still relatively new in a lot of workplaces and the the level of competence with them was not super high a lot, among a lot of the staff. And I was working mostly at small organizations and and as I got in there, I was the one who was the best at the computers. And I was always looking for ways to simplify my life, whether it was, you know, taking a clerical task that took an hour and figuring out a way to just 
you know, press a button or enter a command. You know, first, some of the first things I was automating were like WordPerfect macros in uh, WordPerfect for DOS. Um, I was writing uh, database macros in like RBase and things like that. Uh, and I was crunching up text. You know, there was a lot of things that, uh, you know, you had to do database dumps to get mailing labels or whatever else. And um, you needed to manipulate that text and clean it up. And I was just trying to build tools for that. Um, and I was also doing side projects. Uh, I started publishing a print magazine in the early 90s with a friend. And uh, I had to develop a lot of tools and learn things to be able to get that cranked out. And eventually I brought that to the web in the mid-90s when the web came out. And you know, it was a situation where the very first version of that website, I hand-edited text files, you know, HTML files, and uploaded them to a server and, but it was, we were publishing a publication. We had hundreds of album and book reviews and interviews and things. And it was not really practical to manage as a series of text files. And I needed to learn ways to automate building that site. Uh, and so I got into scripting and, and those sorts of things and, and it went from there. Yeah. It, it is funny. Just so often this is just born out of necessity. Uh, but we're so glad that you, you know, took the next step into programming because, uh, it has brought us some great automation tools for, for those of us on the other end. Yeah, it was a process. I, I had started a job where, uh, I was just doing that to make clerical life easier. And by the time I stopped working at that place, 10 years later, I was a full-time programmer there because I just kept finding more things to automate. And then they said, well, you made it better in that department. Can you go look over what they're doing in sales and see if you can help them <laughs> do it better? <laughs> you know, yes, so I, the curse of being good at something, you then get asked to be good at something somewhere else as well. And uh, right. everything's so it was part, up to you. Part workflow consultant and part, you know, actually developing the tools where, mm -hmm. where it was possible to do so. And uh, just got more and more into that. I, I feel like so often the, the root, um, the root cause of good automation is inherent laziness. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So many of us, like we look at things we do and we're like, Oh, come on again, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then, then, then that leads down the road of automation. Yeah. Actually, you know, efficiency, everybody wants to get more done. Well, not everybody, but uh, a lot of people want to get more done in less time. And uh, anytime you find one of those things you're doing twice or, 10 times and you know, I, I think all the automators listeners struggle with what that breaking point is when it's, when it's repetitive enough to require automation or to benefit from expending the effort to automate it. But it, you know, so many things you, you just keep building these little tools and suddenly you've, you've taken your productivity level to an exponential, uh, new new level yeah and i maybe even a more generous way rather than saying laziness is like maybe you're so motivated by doing wanting to do something that all the little stuff really annoys you and you really have to get that automated but um and that and that's kind of what led to drafts in a lot of ways so you know because you had this history with the url scheme and i i told the story on the show i think the last time we did the episode but i was in the middle of a trial the day you launched drafts and i opened it and immediately got it like Here's an app that immediately captures words and then lets me process them through essentially a URL based automation immediately. And like that day, 
the app went in my dock, and I don't think it's ever been out of my dock since then. Well, I w- was stumbling over a lot of things on my iPhone, just wanting to jot down ideas, and I found myself having to go through so many steps to open the right app and find the right note or create one or give it a name find a folder. And I just didn't want to stumble through those things. I wanted to take my phone out, jot down my idea and put my phone back in my pocket. And I needed a place to do that. And that was this original scratch pad concept of drafts is just make it simple to open it up and not have to fumble through all those additional steps. Yeah, that's something that I've definitely had a lot of issues with, especially to start with back. I had the original iPod touch. I didn't get the first gen iPhone, but I had the iPod touch and not having copy and paste was uh, frustrating, to say the least. Um, and it took a while before that came around. And I, 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 I used drafts a lot in the beginning. And I don't remember if I had the very first version or maybe the second version or something. But I've definitely been using drafts for a very long time, just for that very reason. I often don't know what I'm going to do with text, too. If I have some sort of idea or task I want to remember, I don't necessarily know up front exactly what I want to do with it, um, which was the other big part of drafts is get it out of your head, get it in that, into your capture system and be able to do something with it later because uh, maybe it's going to become a text message. Maybe it's going to become an email or a blog post or a tweet, and, and you don't know when you start typing that text. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's crazy. Uh, not only did you make this app, but you have evolved it over the years. I feel like drafts is one of the like poster children for subscription-based applications. You know, uh, a lot of developers have moved to subscription over the, the last few years, you yourself included with drafts. Although you have a very generous model, you don't have to subscribe to use drafts. Uh, but the, um, but like, the way the app has evolved since you went on subscription model um, for me personally has completely changed a bunch of my workflows. I mean, you have secretly turned drafts from an automation text processing app into a notes app. And it's like, it didn't even really occur. It like snuck up on me. And I know that you were planning this and you talked about it publicly and, but between getting it on the Mac and adding a bunch of, the automation and storage tools you've put on the, the tagging support and so many other things. Um, I just, you know, I just like one day I woke up and like, wow, drafts is not what I thought it was for all these years. It's so much more now. Yeah. Well, I really, I sat down at, at now it's probably three or four years ago and decided, well, what am I going to do moving forward? And the app store model for a business person like me up to that time had been create an app, put it out there, sell it, and then move on to the next app. You know, you've got to come up with a new idea and stuff. But I think everyone was getting fatigued with the new app every six months and wanting to have more reliable tools that were maintained and, uh, you know, suitable for professional use, stuff you could rely on. And I think I, I realized I had an app like that in drafts, but under the current model where I sold it directly to people, I could not sustain a business uh, building that app. Uh, so I said, well, let's just give it a try. Let's convert over. Let's see if there's enough support in this community t- for the subscription base to allow me to work on this full time and to make this a vibrant, uh, well-developed tool that keeps up with the latest OS developments and adds new features all the time. And since making that transition uh, a little more than two years ago, uh, it's been great. I, the app has moved forward at an incredible pace and uh, I thank the support of the users, you know, for uh, making that possible. 
Well, it's one of those apps that for me, I, I look at it and I look at what's happened since you've you've changed it to a subscription model. And there's just so many new features. And it feels like every every time I open my iPhone, there's a new beta. Now, that's a slight exaggeration because I do open my iPhone more than once a day. And you did take a little bit of a break uh, after WWDC, but I was just checking the beta page earlier today and there's... Uh, guidance and warnings and new betas available, uh, which of course I am now part of. Um, but it, it's one of those where I really feel like I'm more than getting my money's worth out of it, which is always very nice. And hopefully it, it's it's going to continue to work that way for everybody. I hope so. It's not for every app. I mean, clearly some apps like maybe a timer app, you don't need new features uh, every month, but something that's so crucial to your a workflow, like a note-taking app, there's just a lot of opportunities to grow. There's always new services for drafts to integrate with, new features to streamline and, and stuff. So I don't think there's any end in sight to how I can keep improving the app. Well, if you need uh, ideas or more, a list for your to-do list, just why don't you just make a public one and me and Rose will just fill it up for you. <laughs> I mean, there's a, a forum post, right? I'm pretty certain I've posted on that a couple of times. Yeah, I've, I've asked for feedback and gotten plenty of it in, in the past. I have a long list already. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Go to mintmobile.com slash automators and cut your wireless bill to $15 a month. Mint Mobile can cut your wireless bill with their futuristic approach to wireless. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers this year, have you asked yourself what you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, there's ample opportunity to take advantage of paying customers like you. This is where Mint Mobile comes in. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, then passes those savings directly to you, making it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, and you can stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Just choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. It's ridiculously easy to set up. You go and activate, you plug your card into your phone, and you're off to the races. You can cut your wireless bill from hundreds of dollars to 15 bucks. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Just ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash automators. That's mintmobile.com slash automators. Go there now and cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile slash automators. And our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. All right. So we've talked a little bit about the history of drafts and, and where it is now. Um, I thought it'd be fun for Rose and I to share some of our favorite things about it. And uh, we've got kind of just a little list here and we're going to get into our actual workflows in a minute, but but let's start with some of the cool stuff. Um, for one, and this is kind of basic stuff, but it's just so well implemented, is I love the unique identifier per draft because as an automator, that opens up so many options. One of the tools I was using before I went all in with drafts for my notes storage was Apple Notes. And they didn't have, I don't know why, they don't have a unique identifier system built into Apple Notes. So the way I would do it is I would go into 
um, one password and generate a one-time password and put it at the bottom of an Apple note. <laughs> so I basically <laughs> had my own UUID system and then I could do a search and shortcuts for that password. I've got air quotes up right now to find the specific note because otherwise you had to like search. And if you like, if it was like a client name, what if I had four notes with that client's name in it, you know, and you just never knew if it was going to land in the right spot. And um, you, you put that in from the beginning you make it very easy for people to access, um, you know, and you've built specific shortcuts actions for unique identifiers. But at the same time, um, you have the unique identifier system where you can right click on a note in the uh, drafts Mac app and it has an option to copy the UUID. And I've built a ton of keyboard maestro scripts as well which use the URL callback. Maybe you can tell me I'm doing it wrong, but that that works for me on, on Keyboard Maestro. So I also have a bunch for Keyboard Maestro. So like when someone sends me something I want to add to the running feedback for the Automators podcast, if I'm on my, my iPhone or iPad, I can select the text and run a shortcut that takes the selected text and pastes it to the bottom of the draft with that UUID. And if I'm on my Mac, I run a, a Keyboard Maestro script that takes the selected text and then opens drafts via URL, you know, hit some keyboard buttons to go to the bottom of the draft and, and places. And I could, I know with the shortcuts you have pre-pinned and app in, but with keyboard master, you kind of have to fake it. Um, at least I do with, with, uh, just keystrokes and I get the key, you know, I get the cursor to the bottom of the draft and drop it in, but it's all based on that UUID. And no matter what you're doing as a listener, in your life, if you've got running notes for a client project, or if you're working on your big dream that you want to make someday, you know, you can, I you can hit that text into that unique identifier based draft anytime you want. And it's a system that Greg has done thoughtfully. I'm, I'm just, I'm way too complimentary of you today, Greg. I sound <laughs> like I'm sucking up, but the, uh, it just, I, you know, as someone who uses this stuff every day, I'm very appreciative of the effort you put into making a system that works with that stuff. Well, at, at exposing a permalink, you know, a URL for any piece of content like a draft in an app, it's pretty important to be able to cross link and work between different apps in any way, shape or form. The fact that you can copy a link to a draft makes it real easy to stick that link into a task manager, say, where you have a note that's related and has elaboration on something that you need linked in your task manager. Those, those things are important to keep a system going, you know, in and out of the app. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a great example. I mean, another great way I use UUIDs, and this was inspired by Rosemary, is I rant constantly about how much I hate the shortcuts notes field. It's too mm -hmm. small. The text is too small. You can't, you have to scroll within it. And every time I see the gang from shortcuts back when we used to travel, um, I would like <laughs> corner them on this, say, guys, come on, fix the note, fix the text field. And, um, and Rose, you know, cause she's so smart just said, well, I don't even do that anymore. I just put them in drafts and use a, I'm assuming you use a UUID link Rose to pull the draft in. And so just like, a couple months ago, I started doing that. Now, like a lot of my shortcuts, text fields or like OmniFocus scripts and other script stuff I do, they're just all permanently stored in drafts where I can edit in there and then the shortcuts will call it whenever I need. Although I'm having some beta issues with that right now, Rose. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get back to that in a future episode. Yeah. 
Hopefully not my issues. No, I, I, I'm, I know where the culprit is. It's a long story and a total diversion from this show, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Trust me. That's, that's beta life for you, isn't it? it? It doesn't matter what beta you're on. Something at some point will break and you just have to figure out who's the problem and tell people about it. But also sometimes even if it's not somebody's problem. So for example, in this case, Greg, if it's not necessarily your problem, it's probably still a good idea for people to give you a heads up that this iOS version breaks this thing so that you actually, you know, have heard about it from more than one person instead yeah. of getting an angry email in a couple of months going, this thing hasn't worked. Anyway, unique <laughs> identifiers, thumbs up. Yeah, definitely. I use them all the time and uh, it, it's great. And it enables so many of my other automations, which, as you said, David, we're going to get to later in the show. One of the other things that I really like, which uh, you've recently uh, enhanced support for, is the advanced HTML preview. So you can do this preview of, of things in drafts where it will just, like, for example, render markdown so that you can see it as pretty text, which is something I use a lot of the time when I'm writing when I've got image links in there and I just want to make sure everything looks right and I've got, you know, old text for my images and things like that. Um, but the advanced HTML preview with the, the added... Um, well, awesomeness, I'm just going to term it, um, <laughs> so that you can add things like the the Airtable uh, JS so that you can directly integrate Airtable forms and things like that. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, I love Airtable. I love drafts. I love the two of them together. Um, and this has been great for me. I've been doing a lot of playing with that. It took me a little while to wrap my head around it and be like, how can I use this in ways that I'm not already using Airtable? Because I wrote my own Airtable support for drafts, of course. Um, but um, this it, this is much easier for, to, for people to use, which is great. Right. I mean, the at the basic level, the actions in drafts incorporate JavaScript, and they use JavaScript core, which is a basic version of the core language that's provided by Apple on all the platforms. And it's the same JavaScript engine that runs in Safari and stuff, but it doesn't have all the features you have when running in a browser. You know, a lot of JavaScript libraries are written to rely on things like the document object model and the AJAX tools that are added to the JavaScript language in the context of a browser. But by using the HTML preview and adding a few features to get data in and out of those previews, it lets you execute those kind of JavaScript libraries like the Airtable API and stuff uh, within drafts by using the browser uh, preview window. And it also lets you do stuff like build completely custom UIs for an action in HTML and be able to pass data back, um, which uh, there's a few examples people have put out there. Matt Gemmel, in particular, the author and former programmer, has done some really neat stuff with writing custom UI tools on these new HTML previews that you know are more flexible than you can do with the limited UI scripting in, in the base uh, drafts actions. So it's pretty pretty cool and pretty powerful for people with some basic uh, HTML and JavaScript experience. Yeah, I would say if you're into, into drafts, I would ser search out uh, Matt's, Matt Gimmel's um, various action contributions because he's built like interactive um, actions that some of them that you download multiples of Matt's actions and they work together. And it almost is like an app it's like a sub app from within drafts. And honestly, for me, it's almost more than I need. I feel like it got too fiddly as I was playing with his stuff. But but man, it's powerful. It is an advanced feature. It's not for everybody, but there's certainly sorts of prompts you might want to create uh, in a workflow that 
that this gives you a tremendous amount of flexibility. You know, if you don't like the way the uh, text edit field looks, you could make it bigger or smaller or have it suit your needs uh, in this kind of a thing, you know, and not be limited to what is provided by drafts or shortcuts. And that, that even ties into one of the, one of the drafts I'm going to share later. Cause I, I considered it for that and ultimately rejected it. But, you know, I was thinking while Greg was talking, uh, Rose, we've been searching for the proper drinking game word for the automators podcast, or at least I have. Um, okay. I think I it's found it. It's not Brett Terpstra. I no, thought we were that, seeing the Mac Power users. Was, no, I think it's JavaScript. I mean, because at this okay. point, JavaScript is such the such the automation tool across platforms. For all the reasons we've talked about it over the last year, it seems like that's the thing you got to do if you want to be an automator. I mean, if you want to take it to the next level, you just got to pick up some JavaScript tools or skills. That might be a little dangerous as a drinking game, though. Yeah, I, I think true. it could be. I would I would like to warn people against alcohol poisoning. It's serious, so consider water or juice. Oh um, well, yeah, you don't have way. to drink alcohol. It's yes, water. Very true. There we go. Uh, you can also eat chocolate. Uh, I am not responsible if you end up obese, uh, but it's good fun. I love chocolate. So. Now, sel- seltzer water drinking game though is more dangerous for a podcaster than alcohol. Just mm. just to say. <laughs> So uh, another another one that uh, I really like, and this one is kind of more basic than Rose's, but just the implementation on the Mac, you did a great job of getting this app on the Mac. And for me, that's kind of the gating issue. The reason why I never could think of drafts as a notes app, because I work on the Mac more hours a day than I work on iOS. And, uh, and I always loved when I was using drafts, the thought of saying, wouldn't it be great if I could just go to my Mac and finish this? And, and you did that, but you didn't just, uh, well, it, you didn't just make a basic version. You actually included the actions that JavaScript support. Just, you know, great job getting the feature set and the parity over to the extent that we can use our cool automations on all platforms now. Thanks. It was a lot of work, and it was a multi-year transition and process of planning to to get there, but uh, I'm pretty happy with the result. And I, I, I really do, when I sat down to make drafts my full-time job and to move to a subscription model that that was a piece that really would need to be in place it was my most requested uh you know feature significant feature uh mm-hmm. and uh, i really do that that would be key to making this a platform that people could use more broadly so i'm, I'm glad we've, we've gotten to that point you know because you evolve in your own thinking like for me thinking back when i suddenly realized Oh, wait, Apple Notes, which, you know, is a good app, but it isn't the best app for what I need. Uh, How did I get in the spot where I'd invested so much in Apple Notes? And it was the multi-platform. You know, it was because it was there. If I wrote on one device, it was on all the devices. And uh, now the draft is on all. It, it, It puts you in contention, which is, I think, probably what you were looking for. Yeah. It's it's an interesting time with the transition of the platforms and the new technologies coming to the Mac like Catalyst and all. It, to Had I started this process another year or two later, maybe that would have been the path I went down. But I, I'm pretty happy to have a native app kit, traditional Mac app, uh, fully formed as well, because I think it gives a better overall user experience on the Mac. Absolutely, 100%. Even if they had, you know, even if, you just waited for the Apple Silicon Macs and you said, well, you can just run my, you know, my iPad app on your Mac. I don't feel like that's the experience that would have been satisfactory to me. You know, I want a Mac app when I'm on the Mac. And mm-hmm. um, I think the, you know, good on you. 
Yeah. I think it's another case of categories matter. You know, is that a good technology for a weather app? Absolutely. But for a productivity app and workflow app, I think that you really need those native uh, Mac-like controls and, and experience. Yeah. Yes. And also the way that you've, you've gone into the extra details here so that you can, for example, within an action, I've done this in a few of mine, you can turn on and off action steps per platform. So it will do slightly different things, whether it's running on iOS or or macOS for me, which is great. And I, I love it. Um, and that, you know, it's the little attention to detail and things like that, which really, for me, have made drafts into a great application that I can use and I can automate things with. Yeah, and I tried to, that was a necessary step because some things just don't behave the, the same on both platforms, but you'd like to be able to customize an action in such a way that it'll it'll do, it'll work the way you want on each platform. And I tried to minimize that as much as possible works exactly the same out of the box on both platforms, but there are certainly exceptions to that rule um, where yeah. the, the apps you're trying to integrate with work differently, so you have to plan for that or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. A common case is mismatching URL schemes where a URL scheme does one thing on one platform, but then it's formed differently on another. Uh, though I know quite a few app developers have been in the process of tweaking those over the years so that they can have the same thing on every platform. The mail-in version would have been saying, well, just make separate actions for different platforms, but that's that's not elegant. You know, We want something that works. Um, some small things that you've done that I'm really happy with drafts is just overall the shortcuts integration on iOS is, is very robust. You know, I talked earlier about UUID stuff, but app in prepend, like every tool you think you would need with respect to an app like drafts, there's a shortcut for it. You know, it's, it's great. And, um, a silly one that's been in there since I think the very beginning is text expander support. I've got this massive library of text expander snippets and it's still not that easy to use them on the iPhone and iPad. You know, there's very few apps that support it and drafts. So like writing emails and things, I can just, you know, access those. So, I mean, there's just from simple to complex, you've done a a good job of making this app automator friendly. Thanks. I try. Text Expander has been a great partner over the years, and they, you know, they have a strong user base. That I am a user of it as as well, and uh, you know, having that integration is always uh, valuable. Because uh, a part of the one of the key bits of drafts, too, in addition to just capturing things, is having that one comfortable place to edit text. Um, you know, any old snippet of text, whether you're writing an email or. Uh, you know, it's going to end up in pages or something. That's not always where you want to do your editing and, and uh, having that one place to go to dump some text. And even if you just end up copying it to the clipboard, uh, drafts is great for that. And having a tool like text expander integrated just makes it that much more smooth for, for their users. Yeah. Like total productivity hack for me is I write almost all my email in drafts because that way I don't get into the mail app and get sidetracked. Um, but I also have the ability to use text expander when I'm writing my email, which I don't if I use the Apple Mail app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was doing that on Sunday. Actually, I was sitting on a plane uh, and uh, having to reply to a bunch of email. And it's like, no, this is a great opportunity to just write everything in drafts, have all of my fancy actions available. And then afterwards, I was just like tapping my email action and copying it and pasting it so that I was actually replying to emails instead of sending a new email. 
Um, but uh, it, was, it was great. And it works really nicely for that. And, you know, it gives me all of the options that I otherwise wouldn't necessarily have in other applications. And I find drafts often fills an automation gap for me in that respect with things like text expander support and everything else. It, it just slots in there and, and fixes whatever my problem is. And then I can take it and move it on elsewhere, which is, of course, one of the reasons why the app exists in the first place. So it's uh, quite nice to remember that. I find something very satisfying when the plane lands and you reconnect to the Internet and you send off all those emails. Like in my head, it's kind of like Harry Potter sending off a flock of owls. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just it's really I don't know why that is. But just like 20 emails just fly out of that airplane on the runway as I'm waiting to to get in and you debark the plane and you feel like you've you've accomplished something i i I really wish now uh this is an official feature request greg uh we need owl animations every time uh, an email is sent because (laughs) i've I've set it up in drafts Uh, that that's an official feature request and i'm hoping to see it in the next version after the ios 14 release and uh bixer handling all right writing it down okay thank (laughs) you or even let's just how about this when i activate the action to take the draft and send it to Apple Mail, just make the sound of flapping wings. You could do that, right? <laughs> that sounds like it could be a more useful, actually, also potentially for uh, um, uh, accessibility use cases. You know what action you've tapped because it, it does a different sound effect. Ah, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure everything's built in so that it can actually tell you what thing you're tapping so you know, but, you know, it's nice to have an audible confirmation that you've tapped the right thing. Here's an interesting question. Is there a, the ability to add play a sound via action? I guess, could you do that through a JavaScript command? Probably if it's on the internet, right? I mean, maybe with the HTML preview? Uh, you could certainly do it in an HTML preview. I don't have any specific sound library uh, functions right now, but it is something that could be added to the app. Guy, guys, we got to do this. We got to okay. add actions I, I have a cutting play plan. sounds. Dark noise is amazing and has loads of sounds. What we could do is just have a shortcut that calls out to dark noise and plays a 10 second or a two second dark noise sound and pings back to drafts. Or, or you could good. just get like the old the old sounds of uh, pre Big Sur Mac and just put them. I'm sure Apple Legal would have no problem with you embedding those in your app. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, a small caveat. Uh, I only want this if you can stay on the App Store. Uh, because if, <laughs> if you can't stay on the app store, then that, that makes drafts very unhelpful to a lot of people. So That would be fun because, I mean, it'd be a very simple action if, if it was already in the library. You just say play sound, you know, insert, you know, maybe tokenize it. All right. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm getting off the track here, guys. Um, <laughs> the, uh, we have some cool stuff we're doing with drafts. We thought it'd be fun to share it. And we're just going to go around Robin. Rose, you want to go first? All right. Okay, so one of the things, I've already mentioned this, but I feel it's really worth talking about is Markdown Preview. So a lot of the time I write blog post articles and and things like that and magazine articles in drafts. And one of the things that I do is I insert images, which in Markdown is the exclamation mark, open square bracket, um, your your, um, caption text, close the square bracket, open the round bracket, and the URL of the image, close the, uh, the, the round bracket. But of course, then I just have a URL. And it frequently happens that I paste the wrong URL with the right alt text. So I write my alt text first and I paste everything afterwards um, and it ends up in the wrong place. And this has uh, caused some confusion 
before. So one of the things that I do now is I split screen and uh, especially on iOS, it automatically does this. If you tap on the, the preview icon at the bottom of the screen on an iPad, then it will split screen drafts with the markdown preview. So that I can actually see my whole article in its beautiful rendered format. Um, and then uh, I will also see the images in line. And this is great. And I actually use it um, a lot of the time and it just feels nice to be writing and then just to see the the page updating on the right side um where where you've typed stuff and it's like oh and you've done things so i'm going to change this um and it just feels very satisfying and it's a built-in action it comes it ships with drafts um and there are a lot of different uh sort of um different css files that you can use um and i actually have a couple of custom ones because of course and me but the point is is anybody can use this and it's very easy to use and i just love it yeah, and with the custom templates on that, it's actually relatively easy to uh, get a preview that matches your own personal blog theme or, or whatnot. Um, I think I've talked some people through this on the forum before, but you can pretty much literally view source on your blog, get copy that HTML, and strip out just the right part where the post goes and replace it with a draft tag and save that as a template. And then you can use that in your previews and you know actually take a look at what it'll look like on your site before you send it up there, which is great. Yeah, I've been meaning to do that for literally years, and I never get around to it. And I know that's an easier job than in my head it is. I've got a couple of those custom templates for for different blogs, and it, it's really nice, uh, and it really does help. But also, some of the time, I just like having one of the the defaults with white with black text, which automatically switches to black with white text in 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 night mode because it, it's very simple and just gives me exactly what I'm after, which is the pretty rendered text. And for fear of causing anyone to drink, uh, we also integrate with Brett Terpstra's Marked on the Mac for that sort of preview functionality, too. So if you have those kind of previews and templates and use Marked for your workflow, you can get it to drafts to live update the streaming preview and Marked for the same purposes, which is really nice. I've got what I'd call a level one action that I use um, uh, frequently, and it's just a simple insert text drafts action. So the way drafts work, and I know some people listening already know this really well, but others don't. Um, You can create uh, custom actions, and the actions are assembled like blocks, like so much of other automation these days. And there's very fancy blocks like insert JavaScript, but there's also blocks that are are very simple, like just save the file. Or um, one that I'm going to talk about right now is insert text. So you can have template text that gets inserted. You know, like traditionally the way you would have done this is you'd create like a draft that had your template text in it. Like one example I have is every time I get a call related to the legal, you know, my, my law practice, someone calls me, I open a draft and the header of the draft puts in an automatic timestamp and date stamp. It adds the let the word SL note with a space between S with L and note. So it's a sparks law note. And then it leaves um, dashes and leaves space at the end of that first line. It's got a, a level one header for markdown at the beginning. It's got a hash at the front of it. And then below it, it has listings for who did I talk to, you know, What's the matter we discussed? What are the action items for me? What are the action items for the other person? And so all that stuff just gets filled in automatically. So historically, I would have done that by having a template note, and then I would just duplicate that every time I needed it. But that's no fun. Drafts makes it so much easier. You create an action, 
And once you have that template text, you just paste the template text into the action, the way the action works. You can put any text in there that you want. And then when it comes time to run it, you can add keyboard shortcuts to actions and drafts. So for me, I know it is a control option C for call. And so I just, somebody calls me, I hit control option C, the whole draft gets created. And with all of that detail I just mentioned gets listed. And then I can just fill it in on the call. I don't have to type in all that other stuff every time I want to use it. And like if I use Matt Gimmel's um, automation, I could actually have it fill in. It could say who called and I could fill in the name and, you know, what matter is this? And it would fill in the name. I, I'm not doing that stuff because I find it just as easy, honestly, to to navigate the draft and fill it in. And because every call is different, sometimes it doesn't necessarily lend itself to that level of automation. But a, a very simple draft action that anybody listening to the show can make is a insert text uh, automation. And, and I've got an, an action set that I've created in drafts. That's like 15 of these things. Like I've got one. If someone calls me to make a new company, I've got one. If I'm talking to someone about something I'm working on the field guide. So there's just a whole bunch of stuff I do that I want to record and like make notes on. And I took all the tedium out of it with the simplest of simple drafts actions. I have a, a lot of templates in drafts as well. And it's, it's something very similar. It's just using insert text. And what I, what I did the first time is I created a draft with everything in and I just copied it and pasted it in the insert text section. And that was it. Done. Yep. That's you know, it. Finished. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way to automate things. And it's, as you said, extremely simple to set up. So everybody should give that a shot if they haven't tried creating custom actions yet. This episode of Automators is brought to you by DevonThink, the flagship product from Devon Technologies. DevonThink is a professional document and information management application for the Mac, and it helps you collect, file, organize, edit, and annotate all kinds of documents so you can reach digital organizational heaven. Archive your email with the Enhanced Email Archiver and scan your paper documents with the revised scanner interface, you can even imprint PDFs with custom stamps before giving them to others. Then organize your documents in any way you want. Smart groups let you create different views on your data, and the integrated AI assists you with filing and searching. You can automate your workflow, create smart rules, and add flexible reminders to any document. They even let non-programmers easily automate many parts of the workflow, so you can delegate the boring repeating tasks to DevonThink. And finally, sync your data securely between your devices using your preferred web storage or even directly on your local network. And take your data with you with DevonThink's iOS companion app. You can get 10% off DevonThink 3 or upgrade to it right now. Just go to devontechnologies.com slash automators. That's devontechnologies.com slash automators for 10% off. Our thanks to Devon Technologies for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. I do a lot of different things with drafts. Clearly, my installation of drafts is not typical of a lot of people because I, my primary use of it is testing it and trying to break it. And uh, I have junk piles of action groups that are things installed from users or things I use just to test the app or different functionality. But there's a few things that I really have a kind of complete workflow in drafts for. And I've shared this elsewhere and I've shared some of the example actions of it, but uh, one of the things I do most with it is is meal planning and grocery shopping. And it, it's kind of a full workflow that touches on a lot of areas, but um, it's got templates like you all described 
creating a new note a template. When I sit down to do meal planning, I've got a a template action that just says new grocery list and it comes up with a new list that's tagged groceries and that has text filled in for creating checkbox lists for each part of the store and for the recipes I want to cook. And then I kind of sit there on my iPad and split screen with Safari and browse to recipes I want to make and drag the links into drafts and then fill out my list for what I need to get at the store, um, you know, while I'm doing that. And what I love about it is that I put, you know, I go to the store and I pull my phone out and my notes synced and I flip on, I, I call the action shopping mode. Um, and what it does is it changes the notes uh, format to a different syntax, which has, which I have configured to have large font settings. So it's real easy to read at the store and it's real easy to tap the check boxes um, and it disables sleep on the phone so that especially in these days where I'm always wearing a mask at the store, you don't have to keep waking up your phone and unlocking it to get to your list again. Um, you know, I just set it in the cart in front of me and can check off the stuff as I get it in the store. Um, and it also enables a feature called link mode in drafts, which the main purpose of link mode is to highlight tappable things like email addresses and phone numbers in your text but it also disables editing temporarily. So as you're tapping off checkboxes, you don't accidentally bring up the keyboard um, and stuff that is kind of a hassle. <laughs> yes. I've actually got a slightly modified version of that, which we'll, we'll circle back to later in our, our slightly more advanced ones. But then I get back home, I've got my stuff I'm going to cook all week, and I've got this note in my inbox, tag groceries. I've got a workspace that shows me a filtered list of my drafts that only show me the ones tag groceries so that I can easily find my list. I go in there and I look up the, I've got the link for the recipe I was going to make. And I, you know, I cook it. And when I'm done with that note and I've cooked all those meals, I just archive that, but it's still there in that workspace. And if I want to go back and find that recipe again or whatever from last week's grocery list, it's, it's easy to do. And it kind of, that kind of workflow touches on a lot of different areas of drafts and what you can do with it. Um, with, you know, simple automations and, and use of plain text and checkboxes and stuff that give it a lot of utility. Yeah. I forgot to mention on mine, the same thing I use tags. Now that I'm using drafts as note storage, um, I use the tags there as well because tags are the way I can find things later. So that that's really useful. Although I am going to continue to bug you, I want someday to be able to export those tags as Apple Notes or as Apple tags. I don't know if that's possible or not, but yeah, it is. That's something on the on the feature list. I think yeah. I actually have some code in there for it yet, but didn't finish it. It'll get there. So I guess that's why I had you on today, so I could bug you about that publicly, since I've done <laughs> enough privately. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, speaking of tags, my my next automation, which I use tags for, is uh, OmniFocus project templates. So I have a workspace, um, and I have a tag, um, and the workspace is based on the tag, and it's just called project template. That's that's my that's my tag name, and that is my my um, my workspace name. And then I also have an action group, which is my OmniFocus task paper action group, which uh, we can put a link to in the show notes. It seems like quite a few people uh, are, probably already have that, uh, but the link will be there anyway. And basically, all of the, the notes in this workspace are project templates for OmniFocus. 
um, and they have variables in and all sorts of things. And there are a couple of different ways that these get used. But my most common way of doing it is I will just open up uh, drafts, go to my my project templates and pick one and then run the action to add it to OmniFocus. And it'll pop up and it'll ask me questions. Um, and then it will just dump everything into OmniFocus for me. Um, and it's great because I have all of these complex project templates, which I figured out and added things to and removed things from and I update it. And of course, it syncs between all of my devices, which we'll get to again later in a, another one. Um, and it's perfect because I can say, oh, right. Yeah, I'm going to visit my grandparents. So I need to do this stuff. And all of that is already in a project template ready. So I just tap it and you know, it comes up and is like, oh, if you're going to go visit your grandparents, then you need to do this. Of course, not visiting them at the moment, but when I go back and I'm able to visit them again later when it's safe to, then I can reuse my template and it's just sitting there waiting for me. Yeah, this is like, uh, this is a triumphant work of Rosemary Orchard. <laughs> I recommend you download it because there's so much in here. A lot of it's JavaScript based. Um, I'm going to get on the phone with you someday, Rose, and go through these with you because there's, uh, I haven't even processed what all these do. I mean, <laughs> I mean, most of them actually aren't using JavaScript. They're just using the insert text action because, yeah. um, all I do is I, I just have it. So you'll, you'll tap on something, say for example, Jew, you tap on it and it just inserts the at symbol Jew and then some brackets. Yeah. Um, now I, that, that particular one I think actually might be uh, smarter because it might say, Oh, if, if there's selected text, then I'll insert the brackets around the selected text. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the point is, is uh, it, you know, uh, some of it is just, for example, flag. I'm, I'm sure I'm certain that just is insert text at flagged. Yeah. Done. Um, because it's using task paper, um, and it's great. And I should, I should have mentioned my, my entire workspace uses the task paper format in drafts because drafts can now have different formats for drafts. So you can use uh, markdown. There's also a script format and task paper. And Greg, I think you've got some other ones in there as well. Haven't you? There are a few others. Uh, and I've also got on the roadmap, custom syntax definitions and themes that maybe come by the end of this year, if not early next year, um, which are going to allow people to create their own uh, theme implementations and, uh, and special syntaxes. Um, and they're, they're, it's a little bit advanced, but I think people are going to come up with some cool variations on, you know, if you want a little custom markdown or you want a particular way of viewing markdown, maybe you like your headers a different color or you like your... Uh, your block quotes to be bigger or smaller, things like that, that having those features in place is going to be an exciting addition. Yeah. And then there'll be a bunch of user created um, syntax that we can all download and use if we don't want to bother making our own. And, right. you know, and like one out of five will be awesome and four out of five will be terrible, but, <laughs> but the one out of five will be totally there. Just <laughs> same reason <laughs> Apple's not making custom watch faces. Right. You know, but the, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that feature coming out. Uh, I am Rose. I am you know I'm I'm with you on this. I'm slowly moving all of my text fields out of shortcuts and and setting them up in drafts. And uh, I'll have to use these tools. Although mine are all kind of pretty much created already, so it's just a you know it's a it's a much simpler process. I think I've got like 40 different OmniFocus templates at this point. <laughs> Some of the one of the other ones I do is simple automations with messages, and I, you know, it's something that's super easy to set up in drafts. But uh, I have probably about a half a dozen message uh, actions on my main action list, and they're for things like 
texting something to all three of my kids. You know, yeah, I have a group conversation and messages to them, but I'd have to go find it and, you know, look it up in messages. Whereas anytime I, I can just open that up, type something and click one button to send it to the three of them and not have to worry about the message history or opening the messages app. I even have a silly one that I created about six months ago uh, because we have a two-story house and my kids are often upstairs and dinner's ready. And I got sick of yelling upstairs dinner time and trying to get their attention because more often than not, they've got one of their devices handy or will respond when they get a text. So I wrote one that's just ring dinner bell and it sends the word dinner to all three of my kids with one tap. I don't even have to type anything into drafts. Um, and that's one I use quite often just to get their attention. Yeah, I, I have teenagers. I've realized that communicating via text is much easier than any other form of communication. And they, I can't get over how they respond immediately. Like I can scream up the stairs for like 10 minutes, nothing. But if I just type one text message, I hear a little feet running or big feet running very quickly. And those noise canceling headphones pretty much. <laughs> I did, um, I did some, uh, some videos for Greg, you know, so Greg is, uh, you know, full disclosure, I've done work for drafts, but the, um, but one of the ones I made in there that I keep is, um, because I live in earthquake country, I made a draft on my phone that gets my location and it goes to my kids and my sisters and it's like some immediate family. And I just push one button and it says, I'm okay, I'm at this location. <laughs> and because the way Southern California works is if there's an earthquake, the cellular system goes down very quickly. But I, but usually you have about 30 seconds to a minute before it goes down because suddenly everybody gets on their phones and the towers get overwhelmed. And calls are almost impossible, but texts can get out. So it's like my hot button, you know, you know, and... um and that's, I think it's a good idea for anybody that lives, like if you live in hurricane country or, or whatever, to set something like that up. Definitely. I would agree with that. Um, and I fortunately live in an area where there are no natural disasters, uh, other disasters aside. Um, and uh, so I, I don't need something like that. But I have something very similar for whenever I'm flying and it will message people that I've taken off and that I've landed. Um, and it doesn't have any more, you know, fun stuff than that. It's just like I've taken off or I've landed. That's it. Um, but it works really well. I think the risk where you live, Rose, is that you may turn into a popsicle um, in the, between December and March. So you should have one. Okay. I've been well, there. I it's mean, very cold. Very cold. It's not that cold. It's Stonehenge is windy. That's all. Okay, um, I have another one, and this is kind of a pickup on the last one where I said I made that call record and I talked about how I, I, I mark SL note in the name. And this is my solution because Greg is just, you know, not giving me my Apple tags. Um, so I, I wanted the ability, once I created that note, to save it to the client file, right? So I've written a note. Um, I can reference it in drafts, but I also have a folder for each client and why not collect all notes related to that client in one place. So I have a very simple, well, not, not as simple of a draft, but you can save a note to iCloud very easily. It's a, it's a one-step action. Um, and it takes the first line of the note and makes that the file name. So if I write the word SL note in the, in the first line, and then I write the client name in the first line, now I have in essence created name-based tags. 
And um, so I save that. And then Hazel on the back end will look for that anything with the word SL note and the client name. And if it sees those two things together in the name of the file, it will move it to the notes folder in the client file. So that's pretty clever, right? It's just, it's a, it's a backend Hazel based file system. It gets a little more complicated on iOS because you can't uh, address where you save it with iCloud. You can only save it to the drafts folder. So I have a subfolder in drafts called, you know, SL notes and Hazel looks at that. And there's a Hazel rule that just takes every file that gets saved there and moves it to the location that my Mac looks at. So I have two Hazel rules. First one on iOS moves it to the proper folder and the second one files and sorts it. And then I run a JavaScript action that I cribbed from your, your forums, Greg. Um, And it, it, um, it looks for any line in that note that has a dash at the beginning and it um, parses that out and saves it to OmniFocus as a inbox item. And this was something that was interesting for me because OmniFocus has rich support in drafts. There's a lot of people that are writing JavaScript. Omni support stuff, including the lady that's on the phone with us right now. Um, but the uh, some of them go too deep for me. It's like you can really go deep. You could like I could have it parse out the name of the client and then save it to the client project and add tags and do all sorts of cool stuff. But I realize that I don't want that automation. I still want my inbox and OmniFocus to serve as a filter. And Mm -hmm. just because I think something belongs in OmniFocus at the moment doesn't mean it actually belongs there. So I still need the end of the day audit through the OmniFocus inbox. So I, I stripped out all of the super automation. The only thing it does is just take a dashed item and add it to the inbox with no project name, no tags, no nothing, you know, no flags or anything. So I keep it really simple, but then at the end of the day, I can go through it and process it properly. But that is a uh, JavaScript combined with saved file automation I use in drafts probably about 10 times a day. Yeah. Uh, adding task parsing to, to things. I, I think I might've stolen your action, David, um, because you, you messaged me about it at some point and asked a question for some other reason. And I was there going, <laughs> yoink, steal that action because I end up with a lot of things inside of my action, my, my drafts as well, which I need to parse out. And uh, so my OmniFocus inbox, having uh, spent the last week running backwards and forwards between countries to move my entire life, is a little bit out of hand. But a lot of those things were were captured through drafts. Yeah, I I published this one. I got permission from the gent whose name escapes me right now who did the original JavaScript programming for that parsing. And um, But we'll put a link in the show notes. But you can obviously customize this to fit for you. The chat, one of the challenges for me was, you know, how do I get, because normally with something like this, I would want to give Hazel tags to do the filing because they're just so certain, if you know what I mean. But name-based tags work just as good. And uh, that's why I'm not totally leaning on Greg to get those Apple tags in because <laughs> I figured out a way around it. I just, you know, I just put SL note in. And I could probably write a script if I really got, if I wanted to spend an afternoon to figure this out. But either way, it's fine as I'm doing it. But, but it is interesting when you combine automation tools and when you think about, well, drafts can make this note for me, but how do I get it to a specific location on export? You know, where it's going to have, let's say you've got a hundred clients and you don't want to create a separate drafts action for each one. Cause you could do it in drafts, identifying a specific location 
Uh, but I, ultimately, I decided the easiest way is to let Hazel do that backend automation for me. Yeah, it definitely makes sense in some of these cases to hand everything off to another system. And that's the beauty of drafts because it is so well integrated. I can easily do that. And I have a, a Dropbox folder, actually, because I have a variety of things put stuff in there. And that includes Zapier and drafts. And then Hazel just picks stuff up and goes, hey, I've done this thing for you. And it's like a yeah. little piece of magic happens whenever my Mac mini is running. But Rose, you've gone a step further. You're putting push cut together with drafts now. Yes. Yes, I am. So I have um, an iPhone 6S, which I bought a long time ago for testing purposes, and it's getting iOS 14, so I'm keeping it. Um, and it sits there all day and runs Pushcut Automation Server. Um, and we've talked about Pushcut on the show before, but the automation server basically sits there and waits for you to tell Pushcut to do something, and then it does it entirely automatically. So this means that I can have Zapier watch something. So say, for example, um, I create shows over at Screencast Online, so it watches Podio, um, which is what the Screencast Online folks use for our project management. And it goes, hey, Rose, there's a new show assigned to you. Um, and then it pings Pushcut as part of that. And Pushcut then takes this information and it runs shortcuts. That's its purpose. But those shortcuts take that data and go, hey, drafts, can you run these three actions for me? And those different actions will do different things. So um, I've got actions for uh, shows. I've got actions for magazine articles I write for Screencast Online. I've got actions for things that I write for the suite setup. And basically what this does is it creates a series of drafts and it will save the UUIDs of these drafts back into Airtable uh, when it creates them. So I can easily jump from Airtable to a specific draft and I know that the content is there, which then ties into another automation later where I send it back out. Um, and uh, it creates things and it updates things and it's amazing. And then it creates projects and throws them into OmniFocus for me because another action that I'm, I've still been experimenting with, it's a little bit wonky, but uh, with a little bit of improvement, it'll get there. I can actually just send a comma-separated list of um, uh, uh, the, the variables that I need to put into any project template inside of drafts, and it will add that project template into OmniFocus for me without popping up and asking me to provide input, uh, which it would usually because I'm giving it the whole list of parameters. Um, and that has been a game changer for making sure everything is in OmniFocus for me. It's great. Yeah, you're going to have to share that one once you get it ironed out. I think that'd be fun one to talk about on the show. Yeah, it's, it's a, it sounds really complex, but basically I have Pushcut Automation Server do most of the heavy lifting um, and it just takes data tells shortcuts, here's the data, and then shortcuts is basically sitting there as the middleman for this and just goes, hey, drafts, please can you, you know, do this for me? And draft says, hold my beer um, or hold my water or seltzer water in your case, David. Um, and it uh, goes, boom, uh, here's 20 drafts that you need for this particular thing. You've got your outline, you've got the place where you can put links to the app and then place where you can put other useful links, place where you can put like summary, place where you can put a description, all of this, and I've saved all that data into Airtable for you, and now I'm just going to go sit and chill by the pool because it does it all in seconds without me thinking about things, and because drafts just syncs everywhere, it does this on this iPhone 6S, which is sitting in like a remote control holder from Ikea. It's permanently plugged in. I never look at it, um, and uh, it just runs, and it's brilliant. It's magic. You know, when some of these third parties come up with ways to further automation with third-party apps... And you always worry about, you know, is Apple going to Sherlock them? 
or you know, and fold this into shortcuts or something on the Mac. Uh, I never worry about that when it comes to the push cut automation server. That is something Apple will never go that far on. No, never, <laughs> never. And uh, it, it's great because I, I can just have it do these things. And okay, sometimes push cut automation server just runs shortcuts or whatever. But in this particular case, it's handing all of the heavy lifting off to drafts. And drafts is there going, yep, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing. And it's it feels literally like magic because then because it sends so it sends that um, notification only to my push cut automation server. But then the last action in the shortcut is to ping my other devices through Pushcut and say, hey, I created all these drafts for you. Um, and they all have the same tag. And so then, um, and it sends me a link. And so I open that link and that's using a URL scheme in drafts to jump straight to that. And then I can just see all of the things it's just created for me. And it's like, okay, now I have a lot of work to do. Um, but I didn't have to set it all up, which is the amazing part. So yeah, this is why I don't need a secretary. <laughs> and I, I really wish we could do that in a way where we don't need to have an uh, you know, an iOS device plugged in and running 24 seven in the background, but that's what we need. And so we've got the option. And I have to say, I got the iPhone 6s a couple of years ago, very cheaply. Uh, it's like refurbished from some uh, store. It was Argus here in the UK for anybody who's familiar. It's just a store that sells a lot of different things, but they had refurbished iPhone 6s. And so I grabbed one because I thought this could be useful for testing things on. And it, is my push cut automation server now and it was a very cheap way to set it up if people are looking to get a device specifically for this i maybe recommend at least a seven or maybe an eight or what the new se's because uh, i think that the 6s will probably not get ios 15 but uh for the time being it's definitely doing its job yeah and, and there's a lot of people listening that probably have an old ios device maybe an ipad mini or whatever sitting in a drawer yep. um that you could be using for this today Greg, have you ever played with Pushcut and the automation tools they've they've put together over there? I have not, although you've got my mind thinking a little because I do have plenty of those devices in my drawer that I'm not doing anything with. <laughs> and in, in the case where you're applying it for something like this, it really doesn't matter if it has a spent battery or whatever because it's going to be plugged in all the time. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's why for me this works so well because it, I I think the iPhone 6s has got a fairly bad battery life now. It's certainly not like expanded or anything like that. It's not the point where it's potentially dangerous, but I, if I if I unplug it, it dies very quickly. So. I'm super battery sensitive right now because I'm I'm currently getting almost my third year out of my original iPhone 10, and the battery is ah. really showing its age. And I'm running the beta OSs, which are never great for your battery. But I know I'm mm -hmm. going to buy the new one in the fall, so it seems silly to invest in upgrading the battery in this one. So I'll yeah. hobble through. <laughs> yeah, I, I just um, I have no care in the world for battery since this whole pandemic thing started because I spend my day migrating between different desks in the house and they all have chargers on them. So it's like, oh, I'm at 80 percent. How did it get so low? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Only in your world, David. I just had to put my iPhone on charge because I forgot to put it in its battery case today. Um, and uh, like um, so. Uh, this was we started recording at I think 7 p.m. and uh, at that point it was down to 11 percent battery and I was like okay I really need to put this on charge now. <laughs> yeah, I, I started this year with a bunch of speaking gigs on the calendar and like all these plans for travel, so I bought the extended battery case, the Apple battery case, which is really cool. It's got a camera button on it and 
and for my new phone. And man, that's just, I should have just flushed $200 down the toilet. Honestly, it would have saved, say, served the same purpose. <laughs> I got it used like new on Amazon for the, for uh, basically uh, because uh, I used to have a Qi charger on my desk and being in lockdown, my Qi charger was in Austria and I was here and I didn't want to buy another Qi charger. So I was like, oh, I'll get the battery case because that'll be useful when iOS 14 betas come out and uh, it's paid off. Uh, so for me, it's been good. I can see why it wouldn't be for everyone. Greg, um, tell me, when you're not using drafts, what tools are you using to automate these days? Well, I, I'm i definitely on the geekier side being a programmer and having spent years with it. Most of my automation stuff surrounds supporting the infrastructure of, of drafts, you know, because people say, well, oh, you spend your time on this app. Well, in addition to the app, they're supporting drafts. There are two Rails applications, uh, three Jekyll static websites for documentation and marketing, and uh, TypeScript library for all the you know JavaScript uh, documentation and stuff. And all those things are fiddly and require a lot of steps. So most of the automations I have are around either shell scripts or Ruby scripts to you know step through pub, like say I'm going to release a new beta and I've got the release notes to put up new versions of the site, modified documentations. I've got to push to GitHub updated uh, documentation and stuff like that. A whole bunch of steps uh, that you just don't want to have to do repetitively and are bound to forget to do some of if you don't automate it. So I have a lot of little terminal shell scripts and uh, Ruby scripts that do those kind of steps for me. Um, so I can just sort of say publish go and, and it'll render all those sites and upload them to the right places and, and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of programmers we've had guests on the show, you know, get down to terminal and shell script type um, automation, which I guess Rose, we've got to cover in more depth at some point on the show. It's just so hard to explain that on an audio podcast. You know, you really need video. It is, yeah. Something like shortcuts or drafts actions are easier to talk about because you just have to look for the right name. But uh, where you need to spell it right, it can get a bit trickier. It's not as intimidating as you might think. I mean, you kind of covered this on your, uh, was it the previous episode with Dr. Drang, that the mm -hmm. scripting and stuff is really not as intimidating as some people think it is. And, and if you've done basic building block automations, you could move on to scripting. And and once you get the handle of some of the basic syntax in a language like JavaScript or in shell scripting, I mean, you can you can do a lot without uh, without a lot of effort. Yeah. If I'm Very doing true. it, then that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody has their moments where they think, oh, gosh, this is terrifying. But uh, as we've learned, uh, things look terrifying, but then turn out to be not as scary as you might think. I mean, a lot of the original heavy lifting programming I did was in FileMaker. And I don't know if you all have any history with FileMaker, but it has a point and click kind of script builder tool that, you know, is very similar to what uh, editorial workflows are like, or like shortcuts where you have these building blocks and fill in these gaps. And it, it is very powerful. And there's a point at which you say, this is getting too frustrating to have to drag these blocks over. And, and it's easier to do it with text where I can cut and paste much like plain text is easier, easier to manipulate than uh, rich text word document. Um, sometimes that cruft gets in your way. And if you get over some of those basic hurdles, you'd be amazed what you can accomplish with a little bit of code. 
Yeah. And oh, just, yeah. just this past week I was working on, I'm working on a new field guide on the paperless workflows. And we talked in the last automators episode about automatically creating folders and folder hierarchies. And I spent like a couple hours building this very complex keyboard maestro script. And I realized, you know, this is madness. And I just went in Apple script and it wasn't that hard. It was so much easier to do with a traditional scripting tool, you know, and you do find yourself getting sometimes using the, you know, the building block automation tools as Greg calls them. They're great, but sometimes you really are, you're taking them in directions they weren't meant to go. And that's where you really want to dust off your, your traditional scripting tools. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, Greg, thank you so much for all the work you've been doing on drafts and and keep it up. And uh, so we're going to have exported Apple tags and audio probably by the time the show ships, right? I mean, no problem next week. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll get right on it after my nap. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, it shouldn't take more than 20 minutes, of course. Still, this stuff yeah. is really easy. You've just, yeah. been, you know, relaxing all summer. Yeah, just do it. No, I am a 14 work at all. <laughs> No, no. What, what do you think of iOS 14? Is it is it got you thinking about anything for drafts? Uh, you know, pluses or minuses? Uh, clearly, widgets are pretty huge for drafts, um, and I, I've got an implementation in place that is is going into testing here as soon as Apple works out some of the deployment bugs. But a lot of the other iOS 14, some summers I I cringe after WWDC, and I've got a lot of work to do, but. It's not too bad this year. A lot of the new features I like as a user and are super convenient and cool, but don't really affect my life as a developer. Um, you know, I don't have to do any work to take advantage of the new messages features or things like that. Um, and there's not some mind-boggling new feature that I've got to implement, like multiple window support, an iPad, you know, in previous years or stuff like that. So other than widgets, uh, it hasn't affected drafts that much um a little more on the mac side i think adapt adopting some of the new big sur conventions will be interesting and i haven't dug too deep on that yet but uh i'm excited about the new platform the new platform updates i think they look great i think that apple's headed in the right direction on a a lot of stuff i think this is a real uh, fun time to be a fan of apple products and i i'm just super curious to see what the Mac experience is going to be like in a year or two from now. Cause I think it's going to mm-hmm. be substantially different on a kind of like a quantum level. You know, we've had small changes for years, but this is, I mean, just think about it. We can run iOS and iPad apps on our Macs. I mean, what, how does that change your workflow? Yeah. Does it suddenly make that, you know, Microsoft, you know, 27 inch draft table, iMac, something that we want. I mean, it's just, I'm super curious. I'm I'm interested to see where it goes as well. And I think in a couple of years, I'm going to have users who want to run the iOS version of drafts on their Mac that they prefer that. Um, I don't think it'll be most Mac users, but I think there'll be some. It'll it'll be interesting to see where it all goes. You're right, but it's going to be six months. It's not going to be two years. So <laughs> so buckle well, in, baby. Well, the upgrade path on Macs is a little slower. I mean, you have an early adopter kind of listener base on the podcast, but people tend to hang on to Macs for a while. So I think it's more like three or four years before the primary core users have Apple Silicon and, and stuff. So. Let's see what happens there. I, I have a feeling that we, we are going to see uh, an interesting split of people who the, the number of people rushing to buy Intel Macs now versus the people going, I'm going to 
wait, uh, you know, I've got a, a MacBook Air sitting in front of me and I'm thinking, well, I mean, it's new, but at the same time, my mom's MacBook definitely needs replacing and maybe I should be getting a Silicon MacBook Pro as um, uh, an experiment in uh, uh, the end of the year when they release them. So uh, let's see how far it You at least want to wait and see the specs, like what kind of battery life they end up yeah. having and stuff to know... Yeah, that's the thing. Um, and the MacBook Air is still nice. And, you know, especially now working from home all the time, I can use the Mac Mini for the vast majority of things. So, Rose, isn't it amazing how our brains like can justify something? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, my mom really needs a computer. <laughs> and Apple yeah. just happens to have a new one coming out that I'd really like. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm not, I I'm am trying not to critiquing. make my own life easier with tech support. It's much easier if the computer's faster. I know. My, my wife's computer is so ready for replacement i can't even tell you i mean I, it is swelling the speakers don't work it is like the world war ii bomber coming back with holes in the wings it's just it's just barely living but then i told her i made the mistake of telling her yeah the new Macs you're gonna be able to run your iphone and ipad apps on and she's like oh i want that one so now <laughs> i can't even like give her mine and justify getting a new one because she wants the new one too oh See, that was your mistake, David. Don't yeah. tell people about the new ones. Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. <laughs> well, well, once again, Greg, thanks again. Thanks for coming on and sharing. And everybody head over to getdrafts.com. I believe that's the website, right? Um, we're going to have a bunch of show links in, in the notes here with uh, with some of the stuff we've talked about today. If you haven't looked at automating with drafts, it's such an awesome tool. It's on all three platforms and we are digging it. Uh, thank you yes. to our sponsors, Mint Mobile and DevonThink. We are the automators. Uh, you can join the forums over at talk.automators.fm. Uh, you can find us at relay.fm slash automators. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye, everyone.